Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Stock Club with me, Emmett Savage, co-founder of My Wall Street. For several years now, I've known Derek Riley, who's been fascinated with all things electric vehicles. In 2020, he founded EV Review Ireland on YouTube, which has become Ireland's leading EV review channel. And even though he's based here in Ireland, his number one audience country is in the UK and his number three country for viewers is in the US. So really is a global reach business. On the back of founding the channel, Derek is now the general man manager of Nevo.ie, which is Ireland's only dedicated electric vehicle platform. Nevo helps individuals and organizations make a transition to the right electrical vehicle for them, whether it's a car or van or whatever. And, and I know Derek and he is a subject matter expert. And on this show, we talk about electric vehicles almost in every episode because of the dominance of Elon Musk. And I just thought the other day it would be great to have Derek on the show and have a chat. So Derek, welcome to Stock Club. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, Emmett. I'm a big fan, regular listener. And uh, whether it's AI or streaming services or diet pills, there's always a fascinating conversation between Anne-Marie or Michael or yourself. So it's an honor to be on. Ah, oh, delighted. Well, I saw you in RT Main Evening News on Tuesday, Derek, uh, and that's our national broadcaster for our, our international listeners. Have you been signing autographs since, Derek? Yeah, it's kind of, I have a big long stick now just trying to beat people away. <laughs> uh, I wish. No, it was great to be asked uh, for sure. And it's nice to get that recognition after years of uh, researching electric vehicles and understanding what's coming down the line. I have loads and loads of questions for you, Derek, because really I am totally fascinated with the area, as I think most people are. But before we dive in to all things EV, can you tell me a little bit about your background and your clear passion? Well, I would have said for all things on four wheels, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Maybe it's just all electric things on four wheels. I've always been interested in cars. I've watched the car shows, had gotten the magazines, had posters on the wall, and then moved to Dublin to work for a large multinational, as has, half of Ireland has done, and then rented an electric vehicle back in 2018. And I said to myself, I think this is going to be the future, and really started to get into it. And five years ago, my family and friends were like, what are you doing? Thinking about milk floats and all the rest of it, and didn't understand what was happening in electric vehicles and whether it's in North America or Europe, there weren't that many models available. Um, but I stuck with it, um, started writing reviews and then set up the YouTube channel. And thankfully now I'm invited um, around the world to go and review them when they're launched internationally. Um, so I do a lot of European based launches, but I am going to Asia in the summer to look at some of the Asian brands. And I've also been to North America to a couple of dealer conferences to understand how that marketplace is going to develop because they're not as advanced and the adoption rate isn't as high as it is in Europe. So it's great to go into a, a different market and hear the questions that are being asked at those conferences specifically by dealers. You just reminded me there, when I was a kid in the 70s, the milkman, as, he, as that person was known, almost invariably a man, so that's the name he got, the milkman was 
on a very quiet vehicle. It was an electric milk truck, right? Lead, lead acid batteries. Yeah, so lead it was big, acid heavy. It didn't go very fast, but do you know what? It was sustainable. There was zero tailpipe emissions, and it got you your fresh bottle of milk in the morning. It didn't wake you up uh, when you were sleeping either. So EVs really have been around since the 1970s and possibly before it. Before. Uh, so the wow. first patented electric vehicles back in the late 19th century, so about 1875, um, and then electric and then combustion engine vehicles came along with um Henry Ford and the Model T mm. and mass production. And there was a, a tipping point where people they could buy mass-produced combustion engine vehicles for cheaper than an electric equivalent. And uh, big oil and lobbying and other interested parties. And unfortunately, the electric vehicle um, went out of fashion, wasn't wasn't the wasn't going to be the way it was. But yeah, you can see black and white pictures of the New York electric taxi company in in one of the suburbs of New York with a huge big bank of charging stations where they actually would charge up the electric taxis back in the early 1900s. That's amazing. I had no clue. And as soon as you talk about the lobbying powers and going to uh, internal combustion, it suddenly makes sense to just, you know, uh, I would have thought electric was the natural course for progression. And there you go. But look, we could dive into history as deep as we wish, but I'm really interested in the future of where we're going. So could you just before we kind of look in a kind of forward looking statement manner, can we talk about um, how has the EV market evolved over the last few years? And what trends are you looking at in just the foreseeable future? The evolution, very much when we talked about it, a lot of the podcasts that you would cover would have the word Tesla and Elon Musk in it. So they definitely pulled and dragged the OEMs and the legacy automakers into that electrification and that electric age. And then you had controversies like Dieselgate, where some manufacturers were fudging the emissions of their vehicles to get past um, pollution and um, emissions regulations. And so we've had that perfect storm where they've been forced into it, but also the competition of those uh, brand new companies like so Tesla have said, okay, do you know what, there may be a market here and public opinion has swayed. It mm. is cheaper to run, cheaper to maintain. The initial cost may be more, but uh, now it's starting to become, do you know what, it's an environmental zero tailpipe emissions. And if you're driving something that is putting out uh, gases from the tailpipe you're, you people are starting to look down the nose at those large suvs or for the north american market those pickups and so there's a couple of different factors why electric vehicle adoption has definitely started to become the norm it is more urban centric uh, european north america whatever country or, or continent you're looking at um, and so where we're at today is we probably just passed the early adopter tipping point and it's into mass market adoption and uh, both myself and yourself live in the Dublin suburbs Emmett so we can see every other house now as an electric vehicle we're getting our deliveries via an electric van we might travel into town on an electric bus and so there is that it's become the norm for us now when you start to move out into the countryside and this is the same whether it's whatever country you're living in what I see coming down the line is very much that it becomes not just it's an electric car, it, it's just a car or it's just a van. We're going to see the benefits of electric and electrification by because a lot of the manufacturers are using a single skateboard platform underneath the car or van or vehicle. And they can plop any kind of body on the top of it, any shape, any whatever it may be. Tomorrow, if Tesla wanted to, could make that into a van because the batteries are all on the floor. 
And so what you're going to start to see is the optimization of the size and shape of vehicles that we use for a certain use case, whereas traditionally that three box design of a vehicle where the engine was at the front or at the rear, depending on how sporty your pocket was. And then there was the bit in the middle where the passengers went, whereas now you can develop a car which is a single seater, like the Solo, mm-hmm. or is a three-wheeler, or is a completely square body for delivering packages. And that's the the universality, the scales of economy, making the platform universal. Hyundai Motor Group have a EGMP platform where they're planning to have about 20-odd vehicles on that same platform, commercial and passenger. So what I see is we're going to start to see a little more difference in shapes of vehicles, and you're going to see vehicles fit for purpose of Emmett or myself or Marie or Michael wants to travel a short distance. We may get in a smaller vehicle, be that a two-wheel, four-wheel, three-wheel. And so that's what's really exciting me about what's coming down the line. We haven't even talked about electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicles as well, but we'll keep it to the roads and the wheels. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm very interested in Evatol as well. And and I have researched a few stocks in the area. A couple of years ago is that the Paris car show. Uh, opportunistically, I was actually going over for a game of rugby and I was walking past with my friends and we all went in. And it was absolutely great day out. And it was very interesting for me to see the all these concept cars from very tradi- traditional brands like Peugeot and Citroen, of course, in France. And then there was uh, uh, BMW and, and Mercedes and the rest. And you're right. The What they really were challenging was uh, our concept of, for example, everybody facing forward. And the, the, the four seats were centered around a nice little table in the center. The aerodynamics, to me, the aesthetic was quite strange in some of the cases. I wouldn't have thought that's not too easy on the eye. But again, uh, this race to have the super aerodynamic shape seems to have, you know, throttled a little. And we're, we're looking now at cars that are really about uh, function uh, as well as form. There was a there was a, a Mercedes there. Honestly, it was like something from the year uh, 25, 30. It was just oh, the most... Was, ins- yeah, that was a partnership with the Avatar movie. And so very much took oh, an organic kind of a slipstream yes, that's the effect. One. That became the EQS and the EQE model. So very much what they right. call in the automotive industry a streamliner. And yeah. there's even a new EQXX um, prototype, which they've actually driven from Germany to Italy and the United Kingdom. And that has a thousand kilometer range. Yeah. Very much about being efficient, but also then having that very low drag coefficient so that it slips through the air. But then on the other side, you have the likes of the new Kia EV9 seven seater, the biggest tank of a body that you could ever see, like a fridge. And yeah. in the European market, and it's interesting you say that about the tables and the seats swiveling around. That Kia outside of North America, the middle row will have swivel seats. And so you will mm. be able to face the passengers. But in North America, because of the National Highways Association and the crash test, etc., they won't allow them to have swivel seats. So it depends on the market, will depend on the features uh, and how they perceive them. You know, I think we know all the main advantages of EVs and anyone who's gone through the buyer's decision process has considered, you know, well, as you said, there's it's an urban solution, you might say, and it's quiet and I don't need to go to, to petrol stations or gas stations. And those those advantages are there to be seen. Um, but what are the disadvantages to an EV at the moment that haven't been felt by consumers yet. So there's a lot of people around the world that have two cars in their drive. One is fully electric and one is fully uh, diesel or gasoline. Um, Where do you think we are going to see challenges with EVs? 
I definitely think in the secondhand market and when people start to purchase used electric vehicles and understanding how that battery was treated. Uh, so did Emmett fast charge it all the time? Did he slow charge it? Um, how full did he have the battery? Because depending on the battery chemistry will dictate whether it likes being at 80% or it likes being to 100%. So that battery chemistry, what was used, but so that would be a disadvantage. And we're starting to see a talks of a battery passport so that when you sell your vehicle, whether it's into a dealership or whether it's privately, you'd have a report of state of health. Now, the same thing happens with a combustion engine. It's never as efficient as the day it comes out of the factory because it's wearing itself down. It's trying to really it's trying to eat itself up. That's why you put oil into your engine. But the efficiency and the horsepower that that engine will give you will never be as good. Whereas a battery, because of that battery chemistry, will degrade over time, like a laptop mm. or like a mobile phone. So that battery health and that degradation uh, would definitely would be a, a something that people a disadvantage that people need to consider. And that mass market adoption of electric vehicles into the used market is something we definitely need to look at and understand and have it more of a standardized. So when you purchase a used vehicle, that becomes part of that process. Okay, so on that then, what are the the latest advance advancements uh, that have improved battery technology in the range of EVs? And so battery chemistry for sure. So we would have seen a lot of um, LF lithium ion batteries would be the the norm across the majority of vehicles. Uh, doesn't like to be charged up full. Is, doesn't like two extremes of temperatures, too cold, too warm, etc. But then you're now starting to see lithium phosphate. Uh, lithium ion phosphate so you're getting uh, i can charge it all the way it won't give me the massive amount of torque that i'm looking for or power density but you know what for somebody driving to the shops and bringing the kids to school that's good the big buzzword at the moment is sodium ion batteries um and so lithium is all around the world but it's very difficult to refine it so last year it peaked at around eighty thousand dollars a ton and so the big rush to get lithium and tesla after looking at lithium refining in texas but sodium is a lot easier to refine and it is an abundant element as well so that sodium cobalt you're probably talking around three hundred dollars per ton at the moment and so that's sodium ion battery and so there's the element there's battery chemistries being looked at solid state batteries so they don't have that a lot of faster to charge they don't degrade as much does their charging cycles are, are are much higher or much longer the battery life itself but then you've got the likes of battery swap technology so rather than you actually owning the battery you rent the battery and Emmett mm. can have a 400 mile range battery for 10 months of the year and then when you want to go across the country uh, you might want a 600 mile battery you actually for july and august you change the the rental agreement and the battery that gets put into your car in a six minute turnaround is actually a bigger density or a bigger capacity. And you can rent a bigger battery when you need a bigger battery. There's right. also wireless charging. So when your car is yeah. parked up or whether it's a taxi sitting at a taxi rank or a bus stop signing at a bus stop, that it's, it's able to charge via a pad on the ground up to a pad underneath the bottom of the vehicle. Now, people say to me, what happens if it snows? Will it go through the snow? What happens if a cat or a dog runs underneath the vehicle? But this has all been tested and is mm. currently in operation in some of the Nordic and North American states. Really? Yes. So it's already out there. And the efficiency is mm. what blew me away, Emmett. You would think that there would be a huge loss in those 10, 12 inches between the pad and the bottom of your vehicle. I think it's something like 95% efficient in transferring mm. electricity wirelessly. 
So yeah. there's lots of different ways that we can power these uh, vehicles and that battery chemistry or swapping out the battery. Uh, there's, it's, it's, it's really exciting times. It is. Actually, my iPhone uh, charges faster on its induction charger beside my bed than it does when it's plugged in. And I had wondered, when am I going to get a big mattress-shaped charger outside my home that I can, you know, put Not gravel for yourself, on top? for the car. <laughs> and you just, you know, put some gravel on top and the aesthetic should blend in and, you know, the physics will look after it. And I wondered, was it out there at all yet? So it's very interesting to hear it's here already. I, I would yep. definitely buy that. There's no question because the plugging in and out of a car becomes a bit of a pain in the butt, especially short range charging. So one Correct. of our cars uh, at home is the long range and the other is a, a half charge, half petrol. So okay. <laughs> that that one requires a plug in, plug out routine that just, you know, got first world problems, right? <laughs> <laughs> but how easy it would be then for you to drive in and once it's lined up and, and it doesn't have to be exactly that it would be just turn off the engine and, and walk away and it, it's charging mm. there. So, yeah, mm. it's, it's exciting yeah. times. It is. Um to the point you were making on the TV the other night was about government incentives and the incentives and regulations, they really are playing a crucial role in shaping the adoption of EVs. How, how are you assessing the impact of government policies on the EV market? And are there any kind of policy developments that people should be aware of in their own country? Or is it just literally, look, it's a long game, whatever happens, happens? Yeah, definitely governments around the world took the took the, at the couple of years ago said we need to incentivize the adoption of electric vehicles. And so mm. there was a off the sticker price or it could be a tax rebate, et cetera. Um, and that has worked. And now because we've gone past that early adopter stage and gone into the mass market stage, government said, OK, do you know what? And very much like the Irish government are doing, they're saying we're not going to subsidize as much and it will peter out over time. What we're going to do is funnel that into actually um public charging infrastructure and supporting the rollout of that grid upgrade or the installation of charging hubs on these motorway routes or in these urban environments where sometimes people might live in an apartment or with no off-street parking and they need to slow charge overnight or fast charge on a journey. And so governments are making that shift. So there's that kind of a change in policy. So the pool of funds are still there, but where the government is spending it is slightly different. And then you look at the likes of the North American uh, Inflation Reduction Act and say, do you know what we're only going to subsidize vehicles that are made in north america with north american batteries or the majority of the battery comes from north america or one of those countries that we are in partnership with i.e canada and so now manufacturers global manufacturers are saying oh we can't make our car in south korea and then ship it to the north, north america or we can't make our battery in china and ship it to north america we need to set up a factory or a uh, partnership in that country then that will increase that will uh, help with jobs but also might reduce the sticker price so consumers in markets like that such as north america now are looking at a european made vehicle that won't get the full seven and a half thousand uh, rebate versus a, a north american made battery and vehicle and i'll get that seven and a half thousand off that sticker price be that back in tax credits or be that off just straight off the price from on the lot and so yeah you definitely need to understand and Governments can, like the United Kingdom, overnight, without warning, took that grant away from plug-in hybrids, reduced the grant. So there was no, you need to go and buy this if you want to get this by this date. Um, it's happened in Ireland where they've dropped it by 1,500 euros uh, by the 1st of July this year. 
over three years, it's a tenner a week. It's really not going to make any difference to the sales of electric vehicles. I think that the, the, the flywheel is starting to build up momentum and that people are buying them, whether there is a grant or not. It wasn't nice yeah. to get it. And there's always the query of, does somebody who buys a Tesla or an electric vehicle need the help? Potentially not. Mm, that's true. Look, talk to me. What's the story with this vehicle to grid technology, which is kind of gaining attention recently? Can you tell me what V2G actually is and its benefits a, and how is it going to evolve? For sure. So at a pair, at an overarching level, it's V2X is what we'd call the, the bracket. Oh. So vehicle to something. Yeah. And so uh. you can have vehicle to load, which means you plug in a bouncy castle or a blow-up castle uh, or an electric, uh, a light for your campsite. So it's going from the end, the battery to something, but locally. Then you've got V2G. That's a wild is... example, Derek. I love it. Though. <laughs> it's a... So there's a number uh, of vehicles on the road. So a lot V2BC, of the... <laughs> vehicle to bouncy castle. It's the future. <laughs> Who's the leader in V2BC? Yeah. I want to invest in that. <laughs> You're never going to see that acronym ever. Um, but so that vehicle to low tech is already there. It's already on the road. So Hyundai's, uh-huh. Kia's, MG's, and you can buy an adapter that will take a domestic socket, be that two pin or three pin, depending on your market, and you can power stuff off that. So that's in a passenger car. And then we're looking at commercial vehicles where you may have the likes of a Ford e-transit and you might have somebody looking to cut up bits of timber or lumber or, you know, do something with a power tool. And there's a bank of sockets there that you can run. So that's a vehicle to load. Then you've got Uh. V to H. Uh, so vehicle to home and so you can use your battery on wheels which is your electric vehicle to run your house so that's taking power from the electric vehicle and then you might have a power outage or you may be taking in solar power during the day storing it in your car and then putting it back into your home at nighttime when the power the cost of electricity is more expensive and then the next higher level then is vehicle to grid, which is you've talked mm. about at the very start. And what we're finding is power grids and networks and utility providers really like this because it's like having a big battery spread out across your state or country. And rather than uh, building a peaker plant um, with gas fired or whatever it may be, you can say, OK, Emmett, if you give me 10 percent of your battery every evening from between 5 and 7 p.m., which is the peak time in any grid because people are coming home and booking putting on dinners and having showers, et cetera, um, we'll give you back that um, 10% at a, at a discount rate overnight when you're not using your vehicle. And so that two-way ability, um, there's still a bit of work to be done on it, uh, depending on the connector. So in, in Japan and the Nissan would have had CHAdeMO, which would have been a, a type of connection that since start allowed people to have bi-directional uh, flow of energy. Whereas with your Tesla or your CCS, they're still working on making that technology more affordable um, and more safe and secure, et cetera. So it's not going to be to the detriment of the battery or it's not going to blow up your fuse board or the you know the grid. So there's definitely safety we need to consider. But a lot of large industry and commercial fleets are looking at it as, you know what, we have a large bank of batteries, i.e. commercial vehicles. We can take in cheaper energy during the night or via solar and then sell it back to the grid at a premium. And so we're starting to have another line item of revenue income on our on our spreadsheets. And so mm. there's a financial benefit to it. But vehicle 2X, not BC, is definitely something that is people are going to start looking for in their electric vehicles. Don't they sure are. Um, and vehicles. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so look, the, I'd like to kind of move our conversation and direct it towards investing. So I guess um, I'll start by saying like the whole competition competition in the EV market is clearly intensifying. And as you said in your opener, it's there's seems to be either the old world brands are being dragged into it and it's a new world EV brands that are taking it from the top. And it's been really interesting to watch. And I can I, I will continue to be interesting to watch. But how are you evaluating the competitive landscape? And I guess at a broad level question, I'm going to start to get a little tighter on this as we chat. What companies do you believe are well positioned to thrive in the EV world? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, it's when I look at either legacy automakers, uh, whether it's Volkswagen Group or whether it's Ford or whether it's General Motors or Stellantis, and, and there's a lot of big names there that your listeners will will know or will definitely have heard of in the past. And then you've got your Teslas, but then you've got your Neos. Now, I know we're going to drill down into the actual individual, but what I really like are the legacy automakers that are are making significant improvements in their electrified lineup, number one, that they're not going to be left behind, but also partnerships, optimizations, like we talked about, and mm. scales of economy. But when you see the likes of Ford working with yeah. Volkswagen in Europe to bring out a new SUV because Ford weren't quick enough to spin up their own model, Ford just went to Volkswagen, well, you've got that platform. We stick a Ford body on top of it. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm sure there's been some financial transactions happening somewhere along the line. But it's really good to see legacy automakers who wouldn't be as agile or nimble or have these factories that have been in the same locations making engines for the last hundreds of years versus the the, the new uh, automakers that have put a factory up in a year, like what happened with Tesla in China uh, or Giga Berlin or, you know, no legacy, no, don't have to worry about, we need to change this to this, let's manufacture it and let's build a manufacturing plant specifically for this purpose. So I'm watching legacy versus, and it's interesting to hear press conferences and we're going to be the number one, but then you look at the actual number of sales that they have versus the number of models that they've pipelined over the next two, five, ten years, you really start to see who's going to be left behind and Really, Emmett, it's it's all about conquest at the moment because there aren't more people buying vehicles. There has been a slight shift with regards to since the pandemic, 
people who are living in a more urban centric environment and now said I can work from anywhere. So then they're now moved out of the city and are now living in the country where public transport may not be as prevalent. And so they feel that they have to buy a vehicle. And so but that will pl plateau out and then whoever has a car has a car and whoever doesn't have a car may never need to buy a car. And so all of these new brands are having to take market share from the legacy automakers and it's definitely ruffling some feathers and uh, it's interesting to see how they're actually playing it out it is it's absolutely fascinating because this is a really generational change in in the fundamentals of an industry that's been in most of our lives since we were born and even you touching on evitol i mean we could completely disappear down that rabbit hole because it's it's incredible to think we're going to have potentially personalized flying electric vehicles within 10 or 15 years a la Jetson but let's not go there for now what I what I'd like to do Derek is really put you on the spot and and play a game okay so at the recent Berkshire Hathaway AGM Warren Buffett said that Berkshire isn't likely to invest in shares of automakers like GM or Ford because the auto business is really tough. And he, he went on and elaborated, you know, about how Ford has had it tough since the 1900s. And he said that just, just too many competitors um, and that the whole business is going to generate unattractive returns. So in the midst of transition to EV, uh, which imposes huge capital costs and risks in the near term, it's going to take a long time before we know who is and is not a winner, right? So anyway, to the game. I'm going to hit you with a baker's dozen of listed pure play EV companies, right? I've been maintaining this list for ages and I pop in now and again and I kick them all about and then I leave for each of them. I'm going to ask you to, the following question. Would you invest a thousand books today and hold it for 10 years, okay? And be, being as your complete EV nerd you were going to use the traffic light system green means yes you'd buy a grand's worth amber means you're not sure and red means no way okay understood this so isn't timed now is it <laughs> no it's not don't you worry you take your time and what we're going to do now is talk through 13 names of which i'm going to guess probably half won't be heard of by most of our listenership so let's start with a softball real easy one the og the daddy o tesla Bye. So you give it a green light. Yeah. And do I need to give rationale or are you happy to fight? No, no, I'm very happy with that because you know something, uh, I know what side your bread is buttered on. So you, you really can't, <laughs> you can't really be truly unbiased. Sell rubbish. No, we're going to, so, um, lucid. Interesting. Amber, maybe, um, mm. have launched in the European market, which was great to see. And they're gone with the Tesla model of going premium first and then hopefully having, I just don't know if there's runway there for them to sell enough premiums with a support network yeah. and not have that Tesla benefit of that cult following behind it. Um, obviously with Peter Rawlson, with that Tesla connection and beautiful car, yeah. great yeah. range, but yeah. um, it'd be a maybe for me at the moment. Amber. Right. I'd be the same, actually. Um, I watched a show on Prime, must have been, it was a couple of years ago during lockdown, and um, it starred Billy Bob Thornton. Um, it was it was pretty good. I'm trying to remember what it was called. It was like uh, Goliath or something like that. But anyway, uh, the Lucid, what's the big one? Is it the Lucid Air? Air? Yes. Oh, it's a stunning looking car. Beautiful. They're clearly 
product placement was right there. It really, really is a so aesthetically pleasing to me anyway. Stunning looking oak. It's yeah, I'd be with you though, Amber. I'm a bit of it, as you know, as you've picked up in the last 30 minutes, I'm a bit of an EV nerd. Uh, episode mm. one of Succession season four, uh, where they're yeah. all getting together and one of them pulls up outside one of the siblings' house, it's in a lucid air. So again, product placement. Yeah, saw that, saw that. And it was absolutely mean looking vehicle, lovely. Okay, so the third one I'm going to hit you with is very, not very well known at all. And it's called Arkimoto. Yes, three-wheeler. Mm-hmm. The three-wheeler. It's a, it's a funny looking yoke. <laughs> yeah, and that would be my amber light, maybe. Uh-huh. It's a very percentage of population that actually will go in a in something that's not traditionally four wheels, a, a three box saloon or an SUV or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So would love to see it succeed. Just don't know again if there's enough of a market there to make it mm-hmm. worth your while. It's like the Robin Reliant or De- Del Boy, Del Trotter's car. That's a very niche reference there for anybody outside of the UK and Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. The fourth name I'm going to hit you. So we have a green and two ambers. So green for Tesla, uh, an amber for Lucid and Arkimoto. Uh, Aero, A-Y-O-R-O is the name and the ticker. Um, no, not. It's a, it's I don't a red think light. There, yeah, it's a red light, unfortunately. I just don't think there's enough in it. Um, again, it's something that would be powering a lot of other electric vehicle manufacturers. And so for me, um, it would be an, a red light. Yeah, completely. It's struggling. It's struggling economically. Um, Highline, or high, uh, what is it called? Hylian or something? Hylian. Hillian, yeah, Hillian, Hillian Holdings. Um, I think they would have had, and again, it hasn't got that, and we keep going referencing back to Tesla and apologies, but mm. it has, it's going to start because the incumbents have caught up with it. And so let, for people who don't know mm. what Hillian do, it's um, trucks and uh, heavy goods commercial vehicles and state to state, coast to coast kind of deliveries in North America. Uh, but because of the uh, the Daimler, the Mercedes-Benz, the Volvos, uh, the Freightliners, et cetera, have now said, oh, we need to go electric. The likes of these, I don't think are going, and we're going to we're gonna probably have a few more of these red lights, unfortunately. And again, best of luck to the company, and I hope they do mm. succeed. But for my thousand bucks um, mm. and hold it for 10 years, I don't think it's for me. Yeah. Uh, Lee Auto. Li Auto, yeah, and it's always there's a number of these Chinese manufacturers that are in the same kind of ilk. Xpeng, Neo, Lee. I like Lee. Would mm. I go green light? I won't. I go amber, and it's just I don't see enough of them within the space. I don't hear enough about them when I'm doing my research on all the other electric vehicles. And we come to some of the other ones. I think what we and I'll explain my rationale why. Okay, I feel there's a all bit right. more there. Well, here's one that a lot of our listeners will recognize the name of, at least, uh, Neo. Yes. Um, and this is where we're starting to, so Tesla would have had their, or have their supercharger network, which is their USB. What I like about Neo is they have their own USB, which is their battery swap stations. And so they have about 1,200 of them in China, and they have a couple of hundred of them starting to be rolled out in Europe. And so, sorry, up to 100 of them being rolled out in, in Europe at the moment. So they've come into a couple of European markets, uh, the Nordics, et cetera, and they've put in these battery swap stations where you can pull up, press a button, and the car will reverse in and swap out that battery. And again, yeah. the model of you rent the battery and rent the capacity of battery that you want. You can still fast charge it like a normal. Interestingly enough, Tesla trialed this battery swap technology uh, and instead went with their supercharger network 
So it's oh, interesting that it was on the, on the cards for Tesla. Yes, yeah, so they did trial it with the yeah. Model S back in 2012, I think it was. Uh, so traffic just lights green. To get so green for sure. Green. Oh, interesting. Okay. And funnily, we've just jinxed it because it's down 10.29% oh, this morning. I don't a know lot of people happened. would have jumped in with the EV bubble that, that when anybody saw a year 18, 24 months ago and said, you're an electric company, I'm going to invest in you because you're going to obviously go as good as Tesla. So mm. they would have fallen into that trap and that EV bubble uh, is definitely burst. So I think it, it's a good time now to get in uh, and hold for 10 years. That's very interesting. Um, one we've lampooned here on Stock Club, uh, Nikola, the truck that rolled down the hill. <laughs> I've actually seen this truck because now it's a battery. The truck on a skateboard, vehicle. not a truck on a skateboard, <laughs> a, a cabin on a skateboard going down so the hill. So we won't talk about the gentleman who is either uh, doing no. court or is in prison already. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But Nikola, I've seen it. They have partnered with Aveco in the European market. And uh-huh. so I've seen it at uh, IAA Hanover last year, which is a large transportation show. And also at the CV commercial vehicle show in the United Kingdom last month. Mm. Um, Amber. Amber, okay. Yeah, so I, think I think they have, to... I think Iveco would be a brand that will know what they're doing and it wouldn't be known in North America, whereas Nikola would have brand recognition. Yeah. So uh, I think they will turn that around. I would be surprised if there wasn't a rebranding there at some stage. Oh yeah, that would make that would make sense. Let's push on. One that really has just been destroyed in the last 24 hours for reasons we will elaborate on and it's Lordstown or Lordston Motors. Yeah, it, again. Take a was, ride. Are you right, Jeff? Or double IDE. Um, yeah. Early mover advantage, potentially, but then when Ford said, uh, we're going to do her, and then the incumbents like the, the Chevrolet, Silverado, yeah. et cetera, it's just, it was, it's a red for me. And uh, right. as you said, in the last 24 hours, even as, as we record this, not mm. good. No, they, they, yeah, they're effectively their big backer has said, we ain't not backing that no more. And they make a real nice looking truck. And um, it was kind of fine. It was in some kind of award show for the best looking truck. And, um, but that does not make you money. And I think that I was reading something last night about they need to do a reverse split in order to just stay listed. Um, And their capitalization plans have just really, They've been lost in the wind. And and Elon just, talks about this and he talks about it's very easy to make a prototype. It's very easy to make something looking sexy. It's that ramp up. It's that production. It's that manufacturing. It's getting it right. It's distributing it to multiple countries if that's going to be your your um, your your play. And and so, yeah, you can make one of something very easily. Well, easily, I say, but uh, it's making 10,000, 100,000 of them. It's a totally different ballgame. Number 10 of 13. And I just realized my list also left out BYD and Rivian. So I'm going to ask you about those as well. But anyway, let's go. Number 10. Um, now, this is called Electromechanica. And yes. the sticker is Solo. Yes. Three-wheeler again. Yeah, it is. And this is an interesting one. What I like about it is if I just want to go on a journey into town, it's a solo vehicle. It's a one-person mm. vehicle. So it's like a covered three-wheeler uh, electric car slash quadricycle slash tricycle um mm. amber okay that's respectable yeah. uh workhorse red red yeah agree <laughs> xping xping green mm. oh really these, yeah i see these in i saw this in china in china in sweden at their cv show they're just after launching in four european markets 
So they have um, sedans and SUVs, lots of interest, like the quality. Yeah, green for me. I like it. Good. I'm as you can see, I'm scribbling down here. My <laughs> my EV expert has just given me a lead that I completely missed. Okay, number thirteen of actually sixteen because I've thought of more. So okay. number uh, uh, Fisker. Yes, green, green. Yes, uh, they've subcontracted the manufacturing, so they didn't try and do it themselves. They subcontracted it to a company in Austria called Magna. Uh, so the same company would have developed and manufactured the Jaguar I-Pace. And so rather than having to scale up and build yourself, they've said, you know what, we're going to do. So Henrik Fisker, an amazing car designer, this is coming in at a reasonable price point. The Ocean is their first model. Um, they're very much uh, surfer, SUV, solar panels in the roof. Uh, it even has a back window that slides down so that your surfboard can go all the way through and hang out the back. But the quality, the fit, the feel, the design, the price point, being built by somebody that knows how to build a car. Yes, green for me. That's really good. I am going to be all over that tonight <laughs> like a rash. <laughs> Don't come back to me in 10 years' time. <laughs> right, I'm going to hit you with three more. Polestar. Listed very strong as they all do, and then mm. but I like their. I saw the three in Copenhagen at the launch. They've just released the four at the Shanghai Auto Show, which doesn't have a rear window, um, and so it is. Um, so a, a setup subdivision of Volvo, but now is going to be going out on its own. Uh, green for me. Yeah, me too. I really like Premium, this asset light model. Yeah, nice. Mm. And it won't compete against its Volvo sibling, cousin, sister, mm. whatever you want to call it. And I think mm. there's enough in there. So, yeah, nice. Okay, good. Let me write it down here because my memory is poor. Um, uh, where, where, where we go? Rivian. Talk to me about Rivian. Loved Rivian in Pulse Pole or whatever the show That's was right. called. Yeah, the, the support yeah. vehicles with you and yeah. McGregor. Um, yeah, a long the, way up it was called. A long way up. Long way up. Yeah. Um, Amber. And the mm -hmm. reason being with the Amazon backing with Jeff Bezos, et cetera, and they've had to focus on, we need to make Amazon delivery vehicles rather than um, the R1T and the R1S. Looking at European expansion, but I'd just be, I'd, I'd, I'd hold Amber. Okay. Finally, um, BYD. Probably going to be the biggest car manufacturer in the world. So Currently, you're saying the, there's a chance. Um, okay. <laughs> so yes, green. Okay. Um, and just well, the scales of economy and vertical integration. They have their own. Now mind. you've so, given six. Yeah. Ver, sorry. Go ahead. So they're, they had developed a battery called the BYD Blade battery, and it is that good that they're just after starting to trial it in Tesla's Model Y coming out of Giga Berlin. Really. So even though BYD are, got, are making their own electric vehicles, they're also selling the batteries to Tesla. And that is, I think, a nice feather in anybody's cap. Uh, so the vertical integration, the scale, they hadn't, uh, they weren't able to get enough roll-on, roll-off vehicle uh, boats to get their cars out of Asia. So they said, we'll just buy three for ourselves. And they bought three big, massive mm. car delivery boats. So huge and from the product range that I can see coming down the line, um, it's not going to be premium. It's going to be more affordable. They will have a premium side, but they have weird names like Seagull and Seal and uh, other nautical mammal names. But oh. yeah, the BYD Seagull will be coming in at a very affordable price. 
right, Derek, you have given a green light to six names and we're going to do a playoff, right? This is really good. I'm really enjoying this. The six names, <laughs> the six names you green lighted were BYD, Tesla, X, uh, Xpeng, Neo, Fisker and Polestar, right? Yes. So I'm going to, let's do a little, I'm going to pair them off as follows. Let's start with the two giants, BYD versus Tesla, if you had to pick one. You can't put those two in the very first round. <laughs> one of them has to be knocked out. Well, if they I have, have to, to because, one... all right, you know they're going to be in the grand final. You can't put uh, Manchester, <laughs> Manchester City versus Arsenal in the very first game, you know, if it's well, going to be yeah, a knockout. It's not going to be great for viewing numbers, but um, yeah. if I had to pick, oh my goodness, yeah. Emma, that's a tough question. It is. Yeah. I would go BYD. Oh my goodness! Neo hate mail on Twitter now, but anyway, yeah, Neo versus Xpeng. Neo, just with that USB battery swap station, and then Fisker versus Polestar. Fisker, because of a more of a forwardable, so a bigger market share. Okay. Now we're going to go and play off. Well, see, we've three. The maths don't work so well, but anyway. <laughs> Who gets the buy? No, okay. I'll tell you what. Neo versus, okay, stack rank them. BYD, Neo, and Fisker. In that three, in that order. Okay. BYD, Neo, and Fisker. Very interesting. And I know that we've knocked off Tesla, but that's kind of only fair. Like, Tesla, how much... How much I need space to does that make my Twitter get? profile private here? It's going to be an absolute <laughs> annihilation. <laughs> anyway, welcome to my world. So anyway, um, so there you have it. That is absolutely fascinating to me, Derek. And it was a pleasure to have a true subject matter expert on the show on something that I have been talking about for 52 podcasts a year for the last few years. Specifically <laughs> one person in one company, though. <laughs> well, that is the truth. Um, tonight, I am going to be researching these six stocks, and I am quite certain I will put a thousand on one or maybe two of them. Um, Derek Riley, it was an absolute pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And don't forget, folks, if you want to find out all things EV, especially in Ireland, have a look at nevo.ie, or at least check out Derek's YouTube channel, which is called the EV Review Ireland. Isn't that right, Derek? That's the very one. Thank it's you. It's absolutely much. brilliant. I love your reviews. I watch them all the time. And that's where I got a lot of my stock ideas. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Pleasure. And really enjoyed it. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at Aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.